Welcome back to the Techmo Bros Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Andy. Week four is in the books. Get your cheat codes ready because we're about to start week five. Oh man, up, up, down, down. Let's make it happen. So we're going to talk about some of your breakout performances this week. Who stunk up your bench and who did you start that got you a big fat zero? We hope that you managed to start some of the top players and eke out a win. We're going to go over who scored the most and who stunk it up. We're also going to talk about some of the teams that are underperforming, starting off with the Bengals. What about the Bengals? We're going to start on Monday? I like starting on Monday. We're going to start on Monday. I mean, it was the most recent recency bias. It's true. The Bengals just, they were bad. I mean, primetime Andy Dalton is always a bad Andy Dalton. I've been getting a lot of uh, questions. Are the the Steelers back? Is this official? Are they returning to to Steelers form? And I got to say, I think it's just the Bengals. A lot of times you got to look at who they're playing. I mean, we're going to go over later today that other teams, like the, the Giants looked really okay, but they faced the Redskins. So is it the Giants being that good, or is it just the Redskins being that bad? And Yeah, the Dolphins kind of looked okay. They, they only played half a game. But they're still the Dolphins, and they're still going to lose a lot. And expect that out of your Bengals from now on. I mean, just on fancy implications, we're going to talk about who had huge games, who had bad games. But in terms of this game, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, I don't – aside from Tyler Boyd, can you really con- confidently start anybody besides him and maybe Joe Mixon? I mean, not really. I'm not even super high on just about anybody in the Steelers just yet. Uh, I think this is one of those games where you, you – kind of just turned off the TV on Monday, maybe watched The Masked Singer or something weird like that because, you know what, it just it wasn't worth it. It was not a good game, just even it, it wasn't really that fun to watch, so just not very entertaining. But you know which players had good games this week, Andy? I think you got a list in front of you. I do. I mean, starting off with, just we're talking full point PPR scoring here. I mean, Chris Godwin, I was all over him earlier this season in terms of who I was very high on. Guy putting out 42 points, uh, just Crazy. So let me ask you this. Last week, we saw all the points go to Mike Evans, and Godwin was practically invisible. This week, we returned to status quo, and Godwin is putting up all the points. What's going on with with Tampa Bay, and where where is the consistency? How do we, how do we trust anyone in particular? It's super tough. I mean, a lot of it just looks like a coin flip. It matters, you know, maybe they have a, a certain matchup that Bruce Arians likes that he wants James Winston to exploit. But it does currently seem like it's an all-or-nothing type situation in Tampa between two receivers, which then becomes a really shitty coin flip. Is, is this a situation where, where you're – I mean, you kind of have to bet – on them both you have to keep starting Evans you have to keep starting Godwin if you can potentially put up 40 plus points I mean that's worth the risk don't you think I absolutely say so I mean if you're looking at you know either trading Mike Evans or or Godwin or whatever you you I would say you can't trade either of them uh you have you have to keep starting them both because even on the days where Chris Godwin is taking all the points Mike Evans is still in a PPR format giving you at least Winston's looking good which is Scary to yeah, say. and that's that's insane. But it's even helping their running game. Um, and this was against of all teams, the Rams. Who would did you predict this? I certainly did not. Certainly did not. Uh, I mean, the Rams, for what it's worth, Jared Goff um, looked shaky he at did. best. Um, but even looking at the Rams end of things, I mean, it's obviously it's a high scoring game. Robert Woods putting up a massive amount of points. He's in the top five scorers in a PPR format. Thirty point four points. I mean, we're talking. 
Just tons of receptions, tons of yards. Cooper was, Cup's up there. Cooper Cup had another amazing game. He did, and that and that we had a problem last week. We were asking, what receivers do you want on the Rams? And, you know, you obviously have to keep starting all three because they're still on a very high-powered offense. But it does seem like, I mean, very similar to the Mike Evans, Chris Godwin situation where one guy seems to have all the points and the other guy seems to disappear. Two out of the three receivers in the Rams always seem to have a pretty good or even a great game, and then one disappears. We talked about who you can start confidently. What do you do with that you know, odd man left out of the game situation? I think you just got to hope that it's not your guy. <laughs> I think that's really what it boils down to because when a team – I mean, granted, this game also we saw 95 points scored between the two teams. So is that going to happen every week? Definitely not. But when, when you look at it from the outside, you kind of just have to uh, expect that if these teams are going to be putting up points, which they will – uh, Tampa Bay, that's weird to say for Tampa Bay. It really is. Uh, fantasy points wise, uh, you got to keep on trusting that they're, they're going to find ways to score you points in fantasy. Uh, the interesting thing here is that Todd Gurley still had a good game. He did. And I mean, one would expect in, in a game that high scoring, like a, a shootout like that, that, you know, maybe they just start abandoning the run a little bit. They start going to this pass heavy attack and which, while they kind of did, uh, in LA, uh, Gurley still was involved, which is weird because in games where they've had a much easier time, Gurley's not done as much. What's going on with the L.A. Rams? Well, it looks like they finally took their own advice from last year and they got Gurley involved in the passing game. I mean, seven receptions, only 54 yards on those receptions, but just the fact that he's now being used in the – I think those seven targets are actually tying his season high uh, – I mean, not season high, his season total of targets before this last week. So just putting it back in the passing game is a huge thing. And just looking at it from the outside, uh, just about all of the top running backs this week managed to get involved in the passing game. We saw Nick Chubb have a career performance. Game of his life so far. That was uh, incredible. If you had him, you pretty much won. Uh, obviously, Christian McCaffrey is a focal point of that defense. Not much to say there. But but let me ask all of you a question. Did anybody start Jordan Howard this week? So I was on the Jordan Howard train when he got traded to the Eagles, and uh, what frustrated me uh, in Philly is their inability to commit to a given player. Uh, I understand that everyone wants to emulate the Patriots' style of next-man-up offense and defense, and, oh, we don't have definitive starters. We have the best players in, in the first slot, and then we start going down the line, where they want to give carries to, like, Darren Sproles, of all people, still, uh, there comes a point where you have to look at, from a big picture perspective, who's performing the best and who's going to keep your offense churning. And a guy like Jordan Howard is going to fulfill a role very similar to LeGarrette Blunt of their Super Bowl year, where you just you, you need somebody who's who's capable of pounding forward for those little bit of yards when you need them. But unlike LeGarrette Blunt, I mean Jordan Howard is capable in the passing attack, which. That's something where we never really saw that utilized too heavily in Chicago when he was there. And now that he's getting a chance to kind of stretch his his arms, not just his legs, we're seeing potentially the emergence of the starter. And the crazy part is, as Packer fans, he has a Packer podcast first by any means, uh, seeing Jordan Howard on the Bears is always a bit frustrating because the dude's got talent. And it was never fully utilized in Chicago, I thought. So when he went to the Eagles, I was excited for him because he's finally going to be on a team that's going to utilize him properly. And yet, it's taken them this long, and I think the record is indicative of when you when you're not willing to commit, when you don't want to 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 let your identity evolve on its own. That's what happens. I know that they've got Sanders, and that he's he's really high in the the organization, and 
Uh, they, they expect a lot of things out of him, and he's a talented enough player. I think that what fits the scheme better is a Jordan Howard type player, and we're gonna if if he stays healthy, if he stays you know uh, getting those positive yardages. Again, this was against Green Bay, and Green Bay has shown uh, they're having some difficulties stopping the run. It looks like it, and and for as stout as their defense has been for the first three weeks, it was uh, tough to watch the the defense crumble a bit. Uh, but speaking of the Packers, Devonte Adams, holy Moses, returned to for- career game that. Uh, the one thing I wish is that he would have found the end zone. Uh, I think he wishes that, too, on that uh, high step in play with that beautiful pass over his shoulder. I know you and I were both shot into the TV hoping he got in the end zone because <laughs> we're, we're both Devontae Adams owners in our own leagues, respectively. It was so close. But we're you know, we're we're still four weeks in. We're still waiting on him to find the end zone. We'd love Rodgers to find him in the end zone because Rodgers has not been passing as successfully as we thought he was going to this the, year. The Green Bay identity in the red zone is non-existent. Uh, Lafleur's strategy is uh, obvious. He wants to run the ball or he wants to throw to tight ends in the in the end zone. He wants those mismatches with jump balls. And what I find funny about that is that's a, that's a strategy you deploy when you have one-read quarterbacks. Uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers is not a one-read quarterback. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is considered by many people to be the best current active quarterback playing football. But he's not playing like it, and I think a lot of that has to do not necessarily with the the game plan, but the personnel on the field. Uh, they're trying to deploy these these multiple tight end sets with, I mean, let's, let's call it what it is. Jimmy Graham choked really hard in that game. Absolutely. He had one touchdown and a handful of yards. He could have had two to three touchdowns and have single-handedly catapulted the Packers to a victory. It's hard watching Jimmy Graham be a shell of his New Orleans self because in New Orleans, the man was unstoppable. And we got him, and we were a little excited when we heard the Packers made a big splash in free agency picked up Jimmy Graham. Uh, it just, it, It's not the Jimmy Graham that we – even the half of Jimmy Graham from New Orleans I'd be happy with. We're getting like a fifth of the Jimmy Graham from New Orleans. I'm just I'm, – I'm hoping that uh, besides maybe if Tanyan can emerge as a pass catcher – or if uh, we get Jay Sternberger back off of IR at some point, that the Packers can uh, – they have a game plan, and they're utilizing the the tight end mismatches very well when they do. Uh, Graham did catch a handful of passes over the middle, but he also let a lot get away from him and, and had a couple of pretty well-open catches that he just kind of flubbed. Um, Devontae right now is dealing with a turf toe issue. And as of right this very moment, uh, they're taking a slow. He didn't practice today. Uh they're saying like he's going to play, but Lafleur is obviously non-committal about the situation. Adams is a type of player who probably doesn't need to practice during the week. He can rest up. They have a long rest uh, as they played on Thursday, but uh, I'm hoping for the Packers' sake that Devontae can suit up and be at close to 100%, because uh, what we saw in this game was with Adams not on the field, Rodgers is going to struggle just from the, the sense that his other receivers aren't getting open. Uh, we're, we're seeing this problem again, and... Unfortunately, Lafleur's game plan, his his offense, is going to get the guys that are going to get open, the tight ends, the running backs, aren't able to do enough right now. And against a tough opponent like uh, the Cowboys coming up, it's going to be rough for Green Bay. It's going to be especially if they can't stop the run, they're going to be having to deal with Zeke Elliott go nuts on them. Absolutely. But just going to running backs, I mean, obviously we talked about Zeke for a minute. He didn't have that great of a week, so we're going to skip him just for now. Uh, but looking at other running backs who had big weeks, you have obviously Austin Eckler and you have Leonard Fournette. It was incredible to see Leonard Fournette kind of remind us who he is because for a while there he was not looking very good. And honestly, I don't know who to 
who to really credit more uh the team the organization the coaches the the play calling trying to get the offensive line on the same page and and blocking and, and doing everything to open Fournette, or if this is a, just a bit of Minshew magic I mean, Minshew has been playing magically enough to make people respect his throwing ability. So, you know, when you have bad quarterbacks, you're, you're going to stack the box because they're going to want to run it. I mean, look at the uh, Jets under Luke Falk in week three. Just stack the box because you have no reason to want him to you, – you can challenge He's him to He's going to be handing the ball off three out of four downs. Whereas and... Minshew is looking like a real passing threat, so you kind of have to open it up. And Which is incredible to say because this guy who comes out of relatively nowhere – It's the mustache. It's, it's, it's the – the guy is, you know – magical it's, it's it's mustache magic my friend I, it's and it's good to see because uh if anything you know watching uh the oakland raiders and hard knocks leading into the the regular season here uh we saw a team who was struggling with a lot of drama and a lot of distractions uh and since then i'm sorry but the raiders have not been super super entertaining to watch i mean the, the biggest star on that team is their coach uh yeah. getting a chance to see a team of a uh, huge underdog as well in in Jacksonville, not just kind of emerge, but to to be fun, to be entertaining. It's fun to watch. That's the the difference between a lot of other games is that it's fun to watch them play. Like there's a, there's a different energy about it. My only hope is that they can figure out this uh, Jalen Ramsey situation because I am kind of sick of listening to players demanding trades or holding out. It's I get it. It's it's business, and you know do what's best for you, but. I don't want my news to constantly be about a dude who's not playing. I want my news to be about who is playing and who, you know, who's performing and, and what, what the fun stuff. And to piggyback on that, dudes who are now playing, we talked about Austin Eckler having a big week in Los Angeles with Melvin Gordon back. Um, they say he was, you know, active in case of emergencies, but his holdout has finally ended. Do you see Eckler being still playable or is Melvin Gordon going to take over that role? Cause last year, if you remember, Eckler was still flexible, but he wasn't going to be like a running back start necessarily. I'm curious to see just how much they use Melvin Gordon. They've already come out and said that he is the starter, uh, which is interesting because, for a minute there, they seemed like they wanted nothing to do with him. Well, for as well as Eckler has done, it's hard to really just stop that type of production. And I don't think they will. I think what we're going to see is a bit of a timeshare situation. Uh, but I, I'm hoping that it that it works out to the benefit of the Chargers because with them being very thin at, at receiver, not named... Uh, oh, God. Keenan Allen's the name you're thinking of. Oh, Keenan Allen. Oh, Still mad boy. about that week. Yeah, a little bit. Sure. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, they they could use a little bit of a, a booster shot to the arm uh, in the offense, and Melvin Gordon hopefully can bring that and honestly earn himself a contract. I'd like to see him, him hope so. play you, well this contract season. And just pure speculation. Do you think he stays with LA, or do you think he moves on? I I think just by principle he'll move on, but he'll probably also get a better offer elsewhere. Like I don't I ugh, I can't see LA coming to peace with. Could that. you imagine next year if the Texans find him? Because they don't really have a running back to speak of at the moment. No. Um, a lot of their woes, I think, has more to do with their offensive line. But uh, that can be, you know, pieced back together in free agency as well. Uh, I'm curious to, f- like, if <sighs> who around the league could really benefit the most from a Melvin Gordon type? Well, uh, we're going to ask that question after the podcast on our Twitter page. Yeah, so let's by do all that. means, let's toss do a that. bunch of comments in there. Tell us where you think he's going to end up. But from one running back coming back to a one that was definitely a waiver wire target for a lot of people, you know, in New York for the Giants, you 100% have to fire up your Wayne Gallman for as long as Saquon's out. You know, it was interesting. I was doing a lot of light reading on the old uh, ESPN pages and everything, and, you know, they were really kind of 
anti-Gallman saying, you know, warm body, he's not going to do much. This is not a guy you want to start flex play at best. Whew. Really? It hurts to be wrong, doesn't it? A little bit. Yeah. This is, I mean, we, we don't keep a tally here. You want to put that one on the chalkboard right there? Yeah, for Thank sure. Uh, we don't keep score by any means, but not looking so great for the analysts there. Gallman had a heck of a game, and in both stages, too, uh, passing and running, he was present in receiving. He was honestly looked – he was wide open quite a bit. I mean, he had a great week. He was definitely in the top 20 players for just finishes in a PPR format. I mean, that's just a fantastic day. Twenty, Roughly 28 points, 27.8. There's something to be said. I mean, they were playing the Redskins. The Redskins right now look absolutely lost. But even, even that being said, the Giants' defense is playing strong. Their offense is clicking. And this is the team going forward who also are going to be interesting to watch. Uh, rookie quarterback who de- – I mean, he's – He's outperforming Eli 10-1. to 1. Absolutely, and with, with the return of Golden Tate happening this week, if Golden Tate's available on your waiver wire, you have to try to pick him up. I, I would have to, like, looking at the team on the outside, uh, after, you know, Gallman, uh, Engram, and Shepard, who else is there? I mean, I think Tate surplants what Shepard thought he might be. Shepard's only there right now because Tate's not there. I, I disagree. Um, I think that Tate's going to fill a... Uh, a role similar, to, like Angram is being used a lot in in kind of a, a deep ball situation, which is interesting because he's a tight end. But he's a really freak athletic tight end, though. right? Uh, I think Tate's going to be your possessions guy. He's going to be the, the moving the sticks. Uh, so kind of like akin to uh, Jarvis Landry in the Dolphins. Yeah, just the, um, the high reception guy. But in a PPR league, that's going to benefit you quite a bit. And right now, uh, Danny Dimes is looking like uh, the 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 thing that New York needed. And just giving him another weapon is going to be very suitable for that offense to stay clicking. Uh, and with how banged up the Eagles are in, in on defense, the Cowboys look good, but they look beatable at the same time. Um, yeah. And I'm, knowing that they're going to face the Redskins again this year, this is a team that has an honest to goodness opportunity to to come up out of obscurity and potentially take their division. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and just to talk about the other side of the ball, obligatory for one time this podcast, Washington. Uh, with with Haskins now being the starter, you imagine um, McLaurin being out for a slight injury. Do you want to start any Redskins at all? I want to see what happens when McLaurin's back on the field. Uh, obviously, his his hamstring injury kept him out this game. They're just trying to keep, uh, you know, take it easy on that one. But I I'm actually kind of shocked that they that they decided to put Haskins in this one. Uh, rookie quarterback, you want to get some confidence underneath him. You want to, to get him winning. We saw what happened with Arizona last year and Rosen just having no chance of ever succeeding. Um, why would you just throw him to the wolves? It did seem like a very interesting decision to make. I mean, I know that Keenan was struggling, and that's no secret, but to toss him in there like that and to have a, a game like that, that can't be inspiring for a young quarterback. I, I, if I remember correctly, I don't – didn't he have three picks? It was bad. I mean – and the Giants' defense isn't exactly stellar. I mean, you know, for the earlier part of the year, we were starting people against the Giants just because they were the Giants. Right, and they've proven themselves better than what we thought, especially against the run. Uh, but legitimately, like, the, the Redskins just looked hopeless. And I'm hoping, uh, for their sake, that they can kind of figure it back out next week. But I don't think that benching Case Keenum was so much the issue as it is every team uh, under the sun knows that they're going to pass the ball when your top two running backs are Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson, they're going to just play this kind of, you know, I'll let you shoot threes all day. You're not going to make right. enough of them. 
Uh, and so it, it's tough in Washington. They got some they got some figuring out to do, but hopefully uh, they can turn it around. If you're a McLaurin owner, uh, anybody else on that team, I'd I'd, sh- I'd shudder to start Peterson or really anybody. Uh, until we see something turn around, you you just got nearly shut out by the Giants. Yeah, and and to jump from one obligatory talking point to another, we do have to at least discuss the Dolphins at some point. Um, you know, Josh Rosen. I think this was a, their first touchdown this year, if I remember correctly, um, for the Dolphins. Silence. Not sure. I mean, we'll look into that, but I'm trying to remember um, a previous one, and I, I can't think of one. Like we were looking at just at a lot of stuff at, at stats of of the Dolphins in general. He's starting to build some rapport with Devontae Parker, and that's about the only Dolphin I'd feel comfortable owning. I wouldn't feel comfortable starting him still, but I would, I'd put him on my bench and stash him if he's. Who's Miami facing this week? That is an excellent question. Let me look up at that while you. I'm ninety percent sure that they have a bye. Devontae Parker. I think they have a buy. Do they? We should have had this ready before we came on. Well, I mean, were we expecting to be talking about the fantasy uh, implications of the Dolphins? you got to talk about everyone at some point, but uh, they are on a bye this week. Okay, so, yeah, nothing to be said there, but uh, going forward, if you have somebody uh, on a bye, I mean, just keep an eye on Devonta Parker. Put him on your watch list. Uh, the team needs to do something on offense. They <laughs> Somebody's got to emerge, so maybe this is it. And again, see. he's worth a stash if you have a free bench spot. Um, that's the only reason why I'd consider having him on my squad. But, um, again, wouldn't feel comfortable starting him unless I can see more from that team. But on to the people who are having big weeks again. Um, I mean, A.J. Brown out of Tennessee. You want to talk about Tennessee versus Atlanta here? I'm more curious what is going on with Atlanta, a team that we thought their offense was going to be better uh, without Sarkeesian, and they're still sputtering. What, what's the deal? You're, you're the Falcons guy resident at the table I here. mean – it's a tough one. I mean, they drafted offensive linemen, but it does seem like they're just not having enough time. And I wonder if um, they're just getting wires crossed on bad plays. I haven't been able to see a lot of the games, unfortunately. Working on the weekends means you can't do you watch a like, of football. Do you feel like this is uh, has a lot more to do with them not being able to establish a running game? I do. I mean, Devonta Freeman, for what it's worth, this week had a good week in terms of production points-wise. But in terms of rushing, he was, I think, sub-30 yards in his rushing attempts, and they gave the goal line to Edo Smith. Um, so I, without a, a good run game to look at, I mean, they, they know you're going to pass the ball. Matt Ryan can't throw the ball 52 times a game every game. At that point, he's going give, to give up interceptions. He's obviously been prone to that this year. It's just a matter of this is one of those teams where even though the Falcons are not doing well in terms of their record, they're one and three last place in the NFC South. At least they're putting up fantasy producers. Unlike a Washington or unlike Miami. How do you go off of Tennessee losing to, to Jacksonville to turn around and just stomp Atlanta like this? Well, first of all, they didn't run into Minshew and Minshew is magic. Okay. But uh, Tennessee's defense is Okay, and I think a lot of that Tennessee stuff from last week was just the downside of Thursday night football games because those are just not good games as a whole. Poorly officiated, you know, that whole thing. Um, You know, speaking of poorly officiated, for sure, for the Packers. (laughs) But uh, I think Atlanta, there are bright days ahead. I think Matt Ryan will find the end zone. Heck, even though Matt Ryan didn't throw a touchdown this week, he still threw for 400 yards. Yes, he lost the fumble, but I'll take 17 points out of my quarterback, you know, over – like if you started Josh Allen this week – you're not getting 17 points out of Josh Allen. And that's, you know, you're still going to take your Falcons. You're going to start your Julios. You're going to start Matt Ryan. You probably sometimes have to start Devonta Freeman. Austin Hooper is a great play in tight end required leagues. He's looking like the rock star of the offense this year. But um, I think they're going to figure it out. I just think that they need 
they need to just buckle down and, and take the plays that are there and not try to force things. So from a team struggling uh, in, in Atlanta, I'm not so sure that I want to delve dive deep into Tennessee. I don't know that this one was uh, an emerging performance exactly. I think this just came from Atlanta's secondary is beat up like almost as bad as Philly's. Uh, they're they're playing poorly and and Tennessee definitely took advantage. I I wouldn't so much expect to see uh, <laughs> AJ kid turn around and, and have another two touchdown game. That true could just be a, a, a you know bad again like I said bad secondary especially with Keanu Neal going out. Uh, so Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City. No, uh, no touchdowns from Mahomes this week. First real struggle Kansas City has shown us. Uh, against Detroit, a Darius Slayless Detroit. I, want, I mean, I didn't get to watch the game. I just wonder why. I mean, do you watch the game a little bit? Yeah, I watched the whole game. Um, it was interesting. Uh, Detroit seemed to play up to their opponents a bit, and honestly, uh, uh, I couldn't tell. It wasn't really Mahomes struggling as much as Detroit was just playing smart defense and. Again, they were playing very much a, a please run the ball on us defense. And when we're seeing teams struggle to run the football effectively, like LaShawn McCoy had a decent game. But when your starting running back is, you know, LaShawn, I need a cane McCoy, like, uh, yikes. It doesn't establish confidence in your run game. The Kansas City run game has not been the same for, for a little bit. They've been having kind of a revolving door with injuries and things. Uh, they're trying some some crazy three-headed monster and putting the ball squarely in, on Mahomes' shoulders. And he's the type of guy who can who can lead this team to success. But with the weapons he has in Travis Kelsey and uh, Sammy Watkins and, and the, the myriad of receivers who have stepped up mm-hmm. in the absence of Tyreek Hill, uh, to have him not throw for any touchdowns to just it, – it was weird. It was, it was weird. odd to see. And if you're a Patrick Mahomes owner, you obviously drafted him because he's typically getting you 30 points a game. So this was probably a bit of a letdown for you, you Patrick Mahomes owners, but I wouldn't worry. I mean, it's just it's one little stutter in what is looking like a career year again for Pat Mahomes. So you kind of got to take it for what it on is. On the other side of the ball, we saw, uh, once again, Matthew Stafford connecting with his his only uh, liked receiver, Kenny Galladay, showing up. Um, I feel like if you're a Galladay owner, you have to start him pretty Every week much, with as much as possible yep. and just hope that – teams decide not to cover him because I mean, if you're going up against Detroit, you're pretty much, you cover Kenny Galladay and you, you, what's Stafford going to do? Throw three picks. I don't know. I mean, Stafford, Stafford's a really tough one because you want to start him because Stafford is a, is mechanically just, he's a good, smart guy, good, good quarterback. It's just, you never know which Stafford's going to show up. I mean, he's a turnover machine when he gets into his own head and he's throwing four picks, fumbling twice, stuff like that. But, man, he goes into the game with a hip injury against Kansas City and the guy damn near wins the game. Yeah. Like, what was up with that? Which Stafford are you going to get? Which side of the bed does he wake up on? He almost plays better when he's banged up. Like, he's got something to prove. Maybe just, you know, before he goes out on the field, just, you know. Hit him in the back of a knee. Hey, I'll tell you what, though. You look at the NFC North quarterbacks, it's the second-best quarterback in the NFC North. Yeah, not much competition <laughs> there. Uh, speaking of NFC North quarterbacks, we saw uh, the battle of, of bad and worse with uh, the Vikings taking on Chicago. Oh, boy. <laughs> it, it was um, it was an interesting game. That's what I can say for sure. Um Obviously, Mr. Biscuits went out with uh, a shoulder injury. It's been diagnosed as a dislocated shoulder. 
they're saying he's going to miss a few weeks. So that means it's now going to be the Chase Daniels show for a and little while. And the Bears somehow with that news get better. Which is crazy. I mean, <laughs> you you watch him play. It, it almost feels like Chase Daniels fits the style of offense better that was built around Mr. Biscuits. But he he looked more competent and confident passing in this game. And that's, I think, the biggest thing that Mitch Trubisky has lacked this year is that decision-making, that, that you know, confidence, that ability to to make the throws that he needs to. And, I mean, anybody who's been in the NFL, Chase Daniels, is, you know, definitely a, a veteran in the NFL. He should be able to do that, or at least, you know, give it a solid effort. We're seeing Minshew magic out of Jacksonville and a guy who's supposed to be their franchise guy isn't able to produce. Um, honestly, him going down with the shoulder injury might be the best thing that will have happen to the Bears this midseason. I mean, hopefully it makes uh, Trubisky come back with a chip on the shoulder. He wants to come back and, and produce after he comes back. But on the other side of the ball, you've got a 90-some-odd million-dollar quarterback who's been a huge bust for this team so far. And his team is beginning to kind of let that information Slip like, I don't know if interviews. you saw the Adam Thielen post game interview, but he did he did his absolute he did, he best. He didn't name names, but he pretty much said uh, yeah. our quarterback sucks. And he was saying if you can't uh, if you can't run the ball for 180 yards, you know you're going to have to make those deep throws eventually. And when asked about did you have any trouble getting separation to get open, and Thielen's like I didn't feel that whatsoever. Do you Thielen think that was wide open? A yeah, lot. I mean, so they they Diggs both is open a lot. They both had terrible games, Thielen and Diggs. Um, I mean, I have them here on the list as a, as a buy-low candidate. Would you feel confident tossing a trade offer for a buy-low on a Thielen or a Diggs right now? I feel like they only have up to go from here. Like, legitimately, they're at – I mean, yeah, they're starting to produce a little bit here and there as the team is needing to throw because they are behind in games. But holy cow, I you could only imagine that they're, they have to get better at some point, right? You, you would hope so. I mean, Kirk as, Cousins has to figure out how to be an NFL quarterback at some point, right? It's amazing to me that he is guaranteed all this money when he currently, for what it looks like just you know on the eye test, is no better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Legitimately, the greatest story to come out of this year, with all the drama around AB, all of the issues that have already uh, transpired, on and off the field with different players. The greatest bit of drama that could possibly come from this season is if the Vikings said to the Redskins, hey, if you're going to bench Case Keenum, we'll trade for him back. Oh, my God, that would give me life. We, like, you can so only hope crazy. that would be the most amazing thing ever, the return of Case Keenum benching your, your guaranteed $94 million quarterback. Because realistically speaking, if he continues to have performances like this as a franchise, you have to take at least some action. Correct? Coaches are going to get fired, and the the team at this point, if they continue playing like this, if this is the the def, the definition of their season this year, uh, how do you not draft a quarterback in the in the hundred percent? I mean, that's because I if, mean, if anything, you've got one more year with with Kirk Cousins, yeah, guaranteed. And if you you draft a quarterback, and you're pretty much telling him, hey, man, this is it. Put up or shut up, and legitimately, if you're going to shut up, you're probably going to get benched mid-season for the rookie. I mean, and 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 at what point may as well? He he's clearly not producing even remotely close. Take all the money away aside, he's not performing like an NFL quarterback. Period. And it's tough to see the Vikings haven't had a true franchise quarterback since Teddy Bridgewater, and even Teddy Bridgewater, there were some questions on is he the right guy for this this scheme and this offense. Uh, they've tried a handful of things and. They really thought they had it with Kirk Cousins, and 
they're not getting it. Um, you posed an interesting question before we we went live on the microphones here. You said, uh, when Foles is healthy, do you sit Minshew if they're still winning? Uh, I have to ask the same question about Mitch Trubisky. Uh, it's it's going to be a lot less time. Uh, Mr. Biss is going to be back a lot sooner. But uh, if the Bears are winning and if their offense is clicking with Daniels, do you consider riding the wave? So, I mean, I'm not a professional football coach, but uh, when, I mean, that, that's kind of the whole point of our podcast. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not experts here. <laughs> Hi, we're professional NFL football coaches who I'm, happen to do a fantasy football podcast. Exactly, right? We, we would get, uh, we wouldn't be a very good podcast for sure. So, here's the thing. If if your team is winning and your team is scoring points and it's not like close games and you're you're doing well, it's hard to sit the person who got you there. So in in the Minshew situation, you know if he manages to pilot the Jaguars to either like a 500 or a better record before Foles comes back, I would personally have a hard time wanting to sit the guy because now he's the guy that's been clicking with your offense. He's been piloting your offense for the better part of seven, eight weeks at this point. Now, yes, the Chicago situation is different. Mitch is going to be out for, I think they said a week or two, maybe. But if yeah, Chicago's issue is not that bad. If Chicago comes out and scores 35 points next week on the heels of a Chase Daniels amazing game, how do you sit that guy? Yeah, Mr. Biscuits had that one amazing game last year where he threw like six touchdowns. That's way far back in the memory, though. Since then, I mean, it's been bleak but with, uh, on with, the offensive side of the ball. With the first four weeks for Trubisky, it's looked shaky at best, and he's not exactly inspired confidence. So if Chase Daniels comes out and pilots a much better game, you almost have to stick with the guy who's doing and better. And it's not like we're talking Drew Brees is coming back or something like that. No. We're talking – it's a similar situation they're actually kind of talking about with Carolina. Uh, if they continue to win, do you consider keeping Cam kind of benched until he's right. healthy? So if Kyle Allen still does well – and Cam needs to heal, instead of hurrying him back to get him back on the field because you, quote, need him to win, if Kyle Allen can pilot you to some success, you almost have to ride that. Whereas if Chase Daniels comes out and wins the next two weeks on, again, great performances, how can you conceivably sit him for what Trubisky's done this year so far? And with the types of players that you have on defense as well, I can't see uh, Mac staying quiet if the defense is still doing what the Chicago defense does. And the offense can't put up points. There comes a point where you have to be like, look, the last guy was doing just fine. Can we, you know? I mean, the business is about winning games. And if these guys are winning you games, if Minshew's winning, if Chase Stanley's going to be winning, you almost have to stick with these guys, Kyle Allen, as long as they're going to be there. You know, jumping in, we've talked a lot about Chicago and Minnesota, but jumping into Kyle Allen, I mean, a rough game against Houston, but the game itself was pretty terrible. I mean, for lack of, of what it looked like, Kyle Allen more so did his job, just Houston stepped up on defense. Carolina's identity has definitely been surrounded by their running game, controlling the clock, playing good defense, and a, a game manager type quarterback should be sufficient. Kyle Allen is doing his job and doing it well. Uh, Houston, on the other hand, is struggling mightily. They're trying to get a running game going. It's not working behind the likes of Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson Jr., uh, and they're Again, this is uh, we're, we're noticing a trend here where defenses are playing uh, go ahead and shoot a three-pointer. We're, we're daring you to run the ball here uh, <laughs> wide open. That's, shooting three-pointer is actually the, the, the wrong analogy. People are like, we're going we're gonna to guard the three and just let you run, run into the lane because we don't think you can make a layup. We're all seven feet tall. You're four foot nothing. Yeah, so it – I mean, Houston Houston's struggling hard, and uh... – 
just we were going to talk about this. We can jump into it a little bit earlier. But you know, I'm a DeAndre Hopkins owner. I spent a lot of money on him in the auction. Are league. you panicking? I am having a hard time. Um, obviously, they're showing you stuff like you know Hopkins is a superstar for a reason. He's got it, it's nowhere but up from here. But looking at it conceivably, thinking I can still sell him for a name, um, maybe get two B plus receivers for one A plus DeAndre Hopkins just as the name. I mean, I'm, I'd consider it, but it's so tough because he you you draft him to be your number one receiver for the whole year. And and in all fairness, in the two minute drill, he was targeted more than anybody else. Uh, he's definitely a, a focal point of the offense, but again, we're seeing a, a similar situation amongst a lot of different teams. Uh, Green Bay struggles with Devontae Adams not on the field. The Falcons are struggling to find offense when Julio is covered. Are we noticing that you know maybe you can't just run one receiver? It's definitely possible, and and with Kenny Stills getting potentially hurt now, I mean, Will Fuller going to step up, and maybe Kuti has a, a third spot now, but. You're looking at the targets. The targets are there for DeAndre Hopkins. I feel like it's almost like an OBJ situation from last year where Manning only had you know 0.2 seconds to throw the ball. And so, yeah, he's catching, what, seven passes for 42 yards. And while in a PPR format, you know, you get seven points. Passable game. Yeah. You're, you're, you're not drafting him to be seven for 42. Like if, I, if I wanted that, I'd get, a, I'd get a PPR guy like a Cole Beasley. I'm asking for – you know, big games out of my, you know, guy that I spent half my chip stack on to get on my team. <laughs> he was an early round draft pick for sure, and and to ha- not get that kind of production out of him is is worrisome. Uh, speaking of Odell Beckham Jr., uh, he also kind of disappeared this week. Um, I don't think he got a catch till the fourth quarter. Boo, boy. Uh, there were some some rough things going on. Again, we're, we're seeing old OBJ come back where all, all the defense has to do is kind of rattle him a little bit, get in his head, and, and he just he forgets to play the game he's playing and just starts to – I mean, there there was a potential fight on the field. Like, there's, there's still video circulating on Twitter of, of him apparently throwing a punch and getting choked, uh, neither of which is a good thing because – they steal his watch? I, <laughs> hopefully not. Uh, <laughs> but – both of those situations could result in in potential suspensions. You don't need the guy missing time on the field, and you definitely don't need him putting up a four point week. Yeah, that's a that's that's even worse than the DeAndre Hopkins situation. And also, just as an OBJ in general, if you take out his eighty nine yard touchdown from I think it was week three, I want to say. Yeah. Um, what has he really done this year to be stellar? It's not been uh, it's not been great. Um. My my question for this week was: what, Did did Cleveland finally show up? Are they emerging, uh, or was this just the Ravens kind of still rocked a little bit from from the right hook of Kansas City? I think Cleveland found itself a little bit more. I really do. Um, well, they found Nick Chubb, that's for sure. Well, I mean, and that, but that is what I mean: is they they found their identity. Nick Chubb was supposed to be the guy, and for the first three weeks, he's been okay he's been bottled he's up. been all right um but i wouldn't say he was worth the second round draft pick that people were, were picking on him this week they shook the bottle and opened it up i mean it's, it's much like leonard fournette like it's there you have to understand that he is your best weapon no offense to baker mayfield but baker mayfield's looked also a little bit shaky maybe out of he's, sorts throwing a lot of picks yeah he's just not what we were expecting coming into the year but you know nick chubb is your definite superstar and and he should be treated as such, and he should be featured as such. We were talking last week about getting your weapons involved. The Packers definitely got Devontae Adams involved and nearly 
worked that self uh, its way to victory. The Eagles likewise got Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz involved, and it turns out they ended up winning that game. When you work to your strengths, your team typically does well. The Browns definitely made a point of it to get Jarvis Landry involved in the game, who's been non-existent up until this point. Uh, he definitely rose to the occasion. Uh, the weirdest thing here is, how did Cleveland forget that they have two outstanding receivers? I just wonder if it's a, a Freddie Kitchens scheme issue. Maybe he's not playing to Landry's strengths, um, and and turns out he switched the he flipped the script here and he played to Landry's strengths this week. And OBJ was the the just the man out. It's starting to feel a little bit like Baker might be a one read quarterback, where it, he's I mean the first handful of weeks he was forcing it into to OBJ, uh, and now we're kind of seeing the opposite side of that where teams are covering OBJ and what does he do? He he turns around and. They're they're definitely focusing on on Landry. I wouldn't go as far as say he's a one read quarterback. I just um, well, I just think that's what it looked like. Yeah, he's just I don't know if he's struggling with Kitchens' play calling. When you when you have one player catching all the passes and then that steep drop off to everybody else, uh, I mean you you may be able to argue the same thing. Old Aaron Rodgers had all yeah, the passes to Devonte, but it's a, it's a talent thing. Devonte is clearly the most talented receiver on the Packers. Like MVS and Geronimo Allison don't come close in terms of just the Geronimo sheer talent. Geronimo had a hell of a catch. All the props to him for two back-to-back great catches, one that kept the drive alive and then getting him the touchdown right after that. Uh, outstanding. I wish they would have gotten him a little bit more involved in that game because he definitely he showed up. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Marquez Valdez scaling – Kind of did the opposite. Uh, he was not ready to play physical, uh, and it, it showed. He definitely he, he looked uncomfortable trying to make contested yeah. catches. And and that's the thing I'm talking about is is Devonta Adams again is clearly the number one most talented receiver on the team. Whereas Cleveland does have OBJ, who is immensely talented, but also has Jarvis Landry, who last year they signed him to be their number one immensely talented wide receiver. You've got two people who could pass for a number one on a team, and why you're not utilizing them both to an effective standpoint is troublesome. On the flip side, we saw the Ravens' uh, offense sputter. Uh, Lamar Jackson looked shaky. Uh, We saw very, very minimal performances from all of the outstanding players. Uh, Mark Andrews did catch a touchdown, but besides that, uh, we saw a fumble and very minimal production from last week's three-touchdown uh, Mark Ingram. Uh, we saw Hollywood Brown, uh, again, trying to get open there. They were trying to connect with the ball, and they just couldn't. Are you, uh, uh, if you're a Ravens owner, if you're a Ravens fan, are you panicking at this point that maybe the team was just a little bit overhyped? I don't know if I'm panicking, but I'm definitely reevaluating my expectations for the people that I have. Um, the only person that I'm starting with the utmost confidence off of the Ravens is Mark Andrews, and that's in tight end formats. I mean, he had he's constantly leading the team in targets. He's clearly the end zone guy. Um, I don't know what happened between weeks one and two and three and four with, with Hollywood Brown. It just seems like uh, either the teams are targeting him uh, as, the, as the clear threat for a receiver um, or he just had – two really good weeks and he kind of busted out for the last three four i want to talk about how how come is it that when espn says mark ingram is a must start that he puts up barely flex player numbers and then when they're saying hey he's a flex play at best he puts up three touchdowns and 100 yards what's what's going on there is, is he listening and well, what's going on just is trolling that, everybody uh, they're the experts are making a lot of money to be wrong that's you know that's, that's just one of those things where it's tough to, to look at. You know. Weatherman and 
Well, fantasy football analysts. <laughs> They're allowed to be wrong all the time and make all the money. Um, or baseball players who play third base for the Milwaukee Brewers part-time. Thank you for that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we're, we're looking at uh, a little bit of October baseball, ladies and gentlemen. I know this is a fantasy football podcast, but uh, here in Wisconsin, we're really excited that the Milwaukee Brewers ha- uh, happen to make the playoffs. And tonight we saw uh, Travis Shaw batting a cool 150 is in the in the roster, 25-man roster. And uh, if you know anything about me in just general as a baseball person, we'll take this one quick segue and we'll figure it out back to football. Uh, I am not a Travis Shaw supporter. I am uh, not a fan of his at all. Um, so the fact that he made the postseason roster hurts me uh, more than I care to admit. Uh, he's just he – should, he shouldn't be there, and that's just bottom line. But, you know, he's not there for his offense. We've discussed this. He's there for his defense and a couple of he's teams. He's there for moral support. He's, he's, <laughs> he's there for, uh, for moral support and uh, potential defensive switches. And two more teams who were there for defense were uh, New England and Buffalo, both two teams with outstanding defensive play going into this game. And, yes, this was a defensive game. Just to finish off on the Baltimore thing before we jumped into baseball. We're still talking uh, Baltimore. You're, you're still starting Lamar Jackson, but in terms of his receivers, you're probably not starting much more than a Mark Andrews. And you can start Mark Ingram. That's fine. But we're going to jump into the Pats game. We kind of just jumped right in. Again, two, two really good defenses. Um, but what I really want to talk about is the offense of the Patriots. Because their defense is so dominant, who could you possibly feel comfortable starting on the Patriots offense weekly? That's a tough question. I mean, they still have... I mean, it's the Pats. They still have Tom Brady. They're they're gonna put up points, but uh, after this game, I'm I'm a little concerned. I I don't know. You kind of have to downgrade the offensive weapons in your mind, just knowing that there there's not gonna be a lot of games that they're needed. Yeah, and that's. I mean, you can you can feel okay starting like a Sony Michelle because they're gonna run the clock out. See, I don't I don't want to start Sony Michelle though. I don't either. He, he looked really bad in That's this game. That's why I said you can kind of start him. Maybe Sony Michelle. <laughs> like, I don't. They feel were great, trying right? to get him going, and he just couldn't. the The fact that they have what currently three, four running backs. Uh, yeah, Bolden got the touchdown this week. Didn't of he? all things. Uh, that's crazy. I mean, Bill Belichick's running backs uh, not something you want to trust. Who knows what's on the menu? But uh, from a passing standpoint, um, everybody thought with AB being cut, Edelman, Gordon, Dorsett, they were going to open up. And where yeah, is the, that? The pickup rate that? for Dorsett this week was skyrocketing. He's still getting targets. He was there, but what? What? Sixteen points and uh, correct me Granted. if I'm wrong. Wasn't one of those scores on defense? Uh, one of those scores was on defense. It's a blocked punt, I believe. Uh, or a blocked kick, blocked punt, Fu- blocked punt, something like that. The defensive score. So like, New England. I mean, you're playing great football, outstanding. Uh, no, I don't think anybody expected your team to be the number one fantasy scoring defense right now. But I know I didn't. Uh, offensively, like I'm not gonna lie to you, I picked up the Pats defense in Week One playing the Steelers because I knew they were playing Miami in Week Two, and they had a pretty good showing against against uh, Pittsburgh. But then after they exploded against Miami. Uh, there's there's literally no way I can drop them now. Uh, with Buffalo again, this is a team who losing Josh Allen hurts them tremendously. I think if you were somebody who had any of their uh, offensive weapons uh, in a flex position or something, you downgrade them immediately. This is uh, we're in wait and see mode with them again, and this is the, this is the case with Buffalo. They're yeah. they're a defensive football team and. You're kind of always going to be in wait-and-see mode if, if they've got injuries. And Allen's in the concussion protocol, so we have no idea if he's going to clear. Again, as of right now, he's still in the protocol. Um, so it, 
as far as I can tell right now, you downgrade almost every Buffalo player to yeah, if you have to flex him, if you 100% have to because there's no one else out there, you you can, but I wouldn't feel confident. With so the Pats won on the back of their defense. Another team that won on the backs of their defense was Oakland beating Indy. Uh, does this surprise you as much as it surprises me? It does. I mean, Brissett's looked really good. The The Colts have looked really good, and the Raiders have not looked that good. Outside of Darren Waller. Uh, I mean, they've had their ups and downs. They've had their moments, but this was kind of a, a statement game. We did see Marlon Mack leave the game early. That definitely hurt the Colts. They, they couldn't keep their flow going. Uh, but that being said, the fact that uh, Oakland came out and on defense they were scoring points, uh, they were they seemed to be moving the ball pretty easily. This was this was a heck of a game. And even, even though Oakland ended up victorious, uh, Indy still actually managed to flash a lot of, of promise in a losing effort. Uh, the big story, obviously, coming out of this game was uh, uh, Perfect w- getting suspended for the rest of the year due to a a, ch- a dirty hit on Jack Doyle. Uh, we can only hope that Doyle's okay. Um, he missed a lot last year due to injury. No no reason why he should have to miss time with a concussion. That was an unnecessary play. But even with that drama, like put to, to the side, this was a good football game. That was definitely super fun to watch. I mean, the the Raiders came out something to prove. The Colts have just been super consistent, and they played really well. Um, I thought their defense would do better against Derek Carr, but Derek Carr surprised me. Um, now, if you would have told me, you know, hey, uh, Indianapolis is going to be without Marlon Mack and T.Y. Hilton, I would have probably been like, yeah, they're going to lose. But even still, they, they, they managed to to find offense where it was needed. Uh, if T.Y. Hilton is able to come back this week, uh, it's a major advantage uh, for for Indy to bounce back with a nice win, uh, Oakland though on the other hand, uh, the 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 big three you've got Tyrell Williams, Darren Waller, and Josh Jacobs. Uh, do you feel confident starting them? Yes, no, and why? Uh, I feel confident in starting two of them. I feel confident in starting Waller and Tyrell. Um, Jacobs, aside from his week one, um, I've not been super impressed with, and I was a bit down on going into the season. Uh, so I'm gonna stay there. I don't. I like Josh Jacobs. The volume's there. We love volume in fantasy football. So you can start him knowing he will have the volume. Uh, just I don't know. You never know which Oakland's gonna be there. Is it gonna be the the two yard dump off, or is Carr gonna actually try to air it out? Now, if they were playing Miami next week, hypothetically speaking, you, you fire starting Josh Jacobs? Jacobs. Yeah. So it's matchup based, and you knowing he's getting volume. If if you have a flex play, would you rather start uh, David Montgomery or Josh Jacobs? I would personally rather start David Montgomery. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so, again, matchup-based, uh, kind of look at it that that way. And um, I, I like all three of them. I, I think if you have somebody with a higher ceiling than Josh Jacobs, consider starting them. I'm looking at a situation. I just managed to pick up Wayne Gallman, and uh, Jacobs is going to be getting sat for the time being with how well the, the New York football giants are playing football. Um so one guy I want to talk about really quick here before we get too far uh, into the, the details of the game. Uh, congratulations to Larry Fitzgerald. Becomes number two all-time uh, receptions leader. Well-deserved. Um, and uh, one can only hope. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how far away he is from Jerry Rice right now. Far. Uh, <laughs> one can only hope. I mean, he was talking about re- uh, retiring in the last couple of years. I can I kind of hope that the, the Cardinals have a good season just to convince him to stay around. The guy looks ageless like he's just mr reliable paul rudd 
Keanu Reeves, Will Smith, and Larry Fitzgerald, guys who just don't age. It's crazy. I mean, he's he's clearly the number one option still on the Arizona offense. It's just it doesn't inspire confidence with Kyler Murray throwing the ball. Uh, the he, team's still got some details to yeah, work out. He, it's a tough one. I mean, David Johnson is looking like an offensive weapon like he has in the past, which is outstanding. Uh, Christian Kirk, unfortunately, this game got a little dinged up, but uh, if he can stay on the field, they're they're looking all right. I mean, he's a, he's a target machine. I just wish some of those targets were in the red zone. Uh, on the other side of the ball, we saw Seattle kind of just run away with this one. It wasn't super much of a challenge. Uh, the the top performers in this one, uh, Andy, you, you had these written down. Who in Seattle really kind of walked away with, with the, the fantasy I mean, the, the biggest one was freaking Big Will Disley, man. I mean, that, Will Disley? That guy was just something this week. What, uh, what, what, what do you call him? Uh, well, I heard on a different cast. This is not an Andy original, but Big Montana. Big Montana. He's a big fella. He's just, he's a red zone threat. And guys, if he's on waivers, especially if you need a tight end, if you're a tight end required league, uh, you need to own him. You need to own him last week. Uh, yeah, you needed him for sure. I mean, let's let's put it this way: it could be that Arizona's bad against tight ends in general. That is a definite possibility. Arizona's been pretty abysmal against tight ends. But he paced the team in targets, yards, and he got the score. So clearly he has Russell Wilson's trust. And we've been talking a bit about identity uh, of teams on offense, especially in the red zone. Some teams looking like they, they want to do certain things but aren't getting it done. Packers trying to look to their tight ends, can't get it done. Uh, the Seahawks have always seemed to have a forte when it comes to a game plan and executing that game plan. They look like they want to get the ball in the hands of Will Disley in the red zone. It looks like he's just a, a super confident target for, you know, he's got good hands. I mean, I almost put this up there with, uh, again, we talked about Atlanta earlier, but Austin Hooper has been having an amazing year with good hands. He's just a safe target for your quarterback to throw to, and you're not he's not putting the drops on like uh, like Lockett has been. You know what's kind of interesting? I find this really interesting. Uh, we're talking about two teams with a similar uh, attempt at identity in the red zone. We're talking about Green Bay, and we're talking about uh, Seattle. Uh, one of whom is having success, and that's Will Disley in Seattle. Uh, the other uh, of whom is struggling, uh, and that's, of course, Green Bay with Jimmy Graham, who used to play for the Seattle Seahawks. Well, Jimmy Graham had some good years under when, Russell Wilson. He had, some, he had some decent years, but they had some struggles in the red zone. I'm wondering, hmm, Is it Jimmy Graham? Is there a correlation here? Common uh, Will Disley, definitely somebody. We, we talked about him being being you know a, a waiver wire target, and if you didn't listen to us, we are we can't help you from there. Well, let me also just a quick caveat of the waiver wire targets from last week's episode. I want to apologize to all the folks who listened to me and said Aguilar was a decent flex play. He should have been. I started him, and I got the big fat zero. So, okay, uh, it was a kind of a, a close-to-game time call that Alshon Jeffrey was going to be playing. Uh, that definitely ate into uh, Aguilar's targets, but Aguilar was nowhere to be found in this game at all. No, he was. Uh, he had one target in the first quarter, uh, first drive down the down the field, and then he was gone. After that, and the Green Bay pass defense has definitely been their their uh, you know shining spot of their defense. Uh, I mean, especially when you compare it to their run defense. But Zach Ertz uh, and Alshon Jeffrey both having gr- you know good games against the the Packers secondary. We were hoping a little bit more of that pie would go to uh, Nelson Aguilar. It didn't. I know you dropped him. Uh, I'm not sure that he won't come back and, and have, you know, a couple of uh, games here or there. But with Deshaun Jackson coming back from injury, I think at this point it's safe to say Aguilar might have just been a flash in the pan. Well, I dropped him out of sheer principle. If you score me a zero, you don't get to play on my team anymore. 
Well, period. Let's hope that Le'Veon Bell doesn't put up a zero anytime soon. Yeah, he gets dropped if that happens. It's an automatic droppable for me. So uh, with Seattle, the one thing I did want to touch on, uh, this was the week. The analysts, again, on ESPN were saying, uh, without Rashad Penny, Chris Carson has an opportunity to kind of get a stranglehold on that starting job. Uh, he apparently doesn't have a very good grip because he didn't really perform the way we were expecting him to. I mean, he did get 100 yards, so there is that, which is beneficial. But, you know, 23 carries, I believe it was, over 20. That's a very high volume, in, in all fairness. Like, is this more of a, a lack of ability to effectively run the ball on Seattle's uh, part, or was this more just maybe there's still going to be a timeshare, maybe it's the hot hand situation? I think we're kind of going more to a hot hand situation. Uh, if Penny gets in there for a couple of rushes and has a good good few attempts, I can't imagine they would steer away from him. Granted, he's not done much this year, but he had a couple of you know big runs uh, here and there. It uh, again, we're we're looking at a, a system where if you're a Chris Carson owner, I think just by principle you need to to pick up a handcuff just on the off chance that Penny starts outperforming. Absolutely, Carson. absolutely. Uh, speaking of uh, outperforming, uh, we saw in. Uh, New Orleans, uh, New Orleans versus Dallas. What we expected to be a bit more of a high-scoring game turned out to be a very defensive-heavy game. And what did you call that one? I called the field goal simulator. Oh yes, if you had Will Lutz, uh, he might have been one of your top performers this week. I, uh, I mean, even if you had a uh, mayor from Dallas, I mean, the only the only touchdown in the whole game was Zeke pounding in from the one yard line. And thank goodness for that. My apologies, comrade. That's okay. That was uh, I, I faced Andy this week, and uh, Zeke's touchdown actually uh. Was the thing that edged out? It would, and and I honestly, I would have felt bad about winning because Aguilar scored zero, and that's just never a win. You but want you to also have. he wouldn't have started if Le'Veon Bell wasn't on bye. So but that's part of the game. Yeah, it's part of the game. <laughs> that's part of the game. And I'm good. I am mad about it. I'm happy to see that. So if, you're keeping, if you're keeping score at home, folks, at uh, the Tecmo Bros podcast, that is uh, Sam one, Andy zero. We well, face well, each other again this week in in our uh, work league. We do. It should be should not be this week, uh, this year. Excuse me. So there's an opportunity, week 13, for Andy to uh, claim his revenge. I'll step on you on my way to the playoffs. That's uh, yeah, it's probably going to happen. My team in your league is not doing so hot. But no, looking at just the performers, um, again, two good defenses, and what was supposed to be Dak's big coming out party for the year, um, is it? Is it just that Dak's not as good as people think he is? Is it? I mean, this is Cooper, his first real test. He Amari faced, Cooper has been his best target, and he was triple covered most of that game. I mean, there's that new meme on the internet where it's you know Amari Cooper in quadruple coverage, uh, which is just fantastic. By the Dak's way, Dak's been apparently taking pointers from Brett Favre, just forcing the quadruple coverage. Completions are way cooler that way. But you're looking at who Dallas has faced this year. You got the Redskins, you got the Giants, and you've got the Dolphins. Um, not any team that inspires quite a challenge against the Cowboys. Do you think New Orleans is just a grade too high for Dallas to be successful? This against? was a tough game because it was in the Superdome, and that the the fans there are raucous. It's so hard to get anything going. Uh, I saw Dak a lot of times trying to make adjustments on the line, and nobody could hear him at all. It was it was a tough game. That being said, uh, through four games. They've yet to really get Ezekiel Elliott going. Uh, some, you know, the, the Twitter fan might be like, oh, he shouldn't have held out. He'd be game ready. I think it comes down to the same thing that's been happening with a lot of these other teams. Their identity is getting the ball in the hands of their playmakers. We saw this last year with Dallas where once they started 
really working Zeke and getting him going, getting him the ball uh, on, in passing situations and open space where he can run over guys, make moves, get extra yardage. When they get Zeke the ball, they have a better time. And through the first four games, I feel like it's been a bit of a statement, especially to to Zeke and his, his uh, uh, manager that like, hey, look, we didn't really like, yeah, you're great. You deserve the contract. But look, Dak's our guy. We're going to pay him. He looks great yeah, you still need to run the ball for play action to work. And this game, I think uh, New Orleans took advantage of the fact that Dallas hasn't been as willing to run the football. Uh, On the other side of the ball, the Saints ran the ball just fine. Absolutely. Alvin Kamara was just fine. Teddy Bridgewater, Taysom Hill, they have their game plan, and they were working it very well. Uh, It's And Michael Thomas did Michael Thomas things. He... Reception monster. It's sad to think that uh, Dak Prescott got beat by a backup. It does raise some concerns because, again, Bridgewater, while is on the better end of backups, he is not Drew Brees. And I feel like if Drew Brees would have played against Dallas, I mean, New Orleans would have had a, a higher success rate for sure. So really quick before uh, before we wrap things up, uh, I noticed you have a, a couple notes here of two teams that were on buys. We had uh, the New York uh, Jets, uh, J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 uh, and the San Francisco uh, 49ers. Both teams share uh, a, a common issue uh, in a player uh, focal point of the offense being injured. We have uh, Sam Darnold coming off of mononucleosis. He's been cleared for contact. Which does not mean he will start yet. It just but. means that he can practice. Um, still worried that he won't be ready for week five yet, which is upsetting uh, for, for the Jets. But well, if we hear the news, we'll let everyone know on our Twitter feed. Follow us at, at TecmoBrosFF. Uh, and then on San Fran's side of things, uh, Tevin Coleman with his high ankle sprain. ESPN, you'd, you'd think based off of his injury designation that they expect him to play. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I like to do this where I, I like to make these bold, crazy claims. I don't think Tevin Coleman plays for at least two more weeks. I 100% agree with you. I mean, they've got a, a crowded backfield the way it is. So if they're still succeeding with, you know, Breda, Mostert, and uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. The list you, goes on from there. Do you we just need want to Tevin stop Coleman back? Three. Yeah. So I, I don't think he plays. And, they're, again, they're still questionable designation for him for some reason. But it, it, Literally, touchdowns from the San Fran backfield are like a game of Clue. Like, uh, who, who was it? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and guess it was uh, Colonel Mostert in the, uh, at the right pylon with a pitch. This is the content you subscribe for, folks. This, this, is, why, this is why you listen to the Tecmo Bros podcast. Because, again, this is a podcast uh, not by fantasy football experts, but by fans. And that's the best way to have it. The experts will just tell you what they need to tell you. We're going to tell you our feelings and, and, you know, again, we have our wrong ones. We're looking at Nelson Aguilar. We have our right ones. We were speaking very highly about picking up Wayne Gallman last week, and he had a great game. So uh, going into this week, a couple of uh, underperforming top wideouts. Uh, let's throw out OBJ. Let's throw out uh, DeAndre. Hopkins. DeAndre, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. And uh, Julio Jones. Of those three, who do you think has the bounce back big performance, and which two will continue to potentially? You might say that two might have a good week, one might flounder, but who's going to have the best of the three? I think the best of the three is going to be Julio Jones. Going to come out and have a statement against uh, the Houston Texans. I think DeAndre Hopkins on the other side of the ball, literally, will also have a fantastic game, so he's going to be my second. I do think OBJ continues to struggle. Um, I just don't know if Baker and him have that chemistry in terms of getting everything taken care of. Now, uh, this week we get to see uh, Green Bay facing off against Dallas in Dallas uh, with Green Bay's 
lack of a run defense. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott might have a, a pretty monstrous game here. Do you see Dak Prescott returning to Dak Prescott things? Or I is he going to struggle against that Green Bay secondary? I still think he's going to struggle a bit with the Green Bay secondary. Um, Zeke's going to probably have a great game. I just don't think Dak's going to be on that same list. I still, I mean, I, I would hazard a guess to say that Green Bay is definitely going to at least uh, force two turnovers from Dak. I just don't think he's going to be a great play this week. Couple of different teams here uh, with multiple offensive weapons. Uh, I'm going to pick on on a few of them here. I'm just going to kind of throw them off the cup. I didn't actually ha- have this one prepared. We're going to talk about the uh, Los Angeles Rams, uh, three big three receivers. We're going to talk about uh, Jacksonville's myriad of talented receivers, uh, and we're going to talk about Eeny Meeny Miny Tampa Bay, uh, and they're I mean really kind of two uh, big receivers. Who, if you had to pick one from each team to start? Are you starting Cooper Cup, Cooks, or Woods? I'm starting Cooper Cup of the three. I just feel like he has the best chemistry with Gary, with Jared Goff. Jared Goff. What's, the, what's going on? With King Goffrey. I think that he – Cooper Cup is the guy to own, I think, receiver-wise for consistency purposes in a very talented trio. But Cooper Cup seems to have the best of the of three. In Jacksonville – uh, the recipient of the Minshew magic, who's it going to be and why is it DJ Chark? I mean, you, you answered the question, obviously, nail on the head there. Uh, DJ Chark just happens to be the the guy he shares the best chemistry with, and he's also just the most talented receiver on the team. Uh, last but not least, Tampa Bay. It's kind of a coin flip at this point, but uh, would you predict, is it going to be Godwin or Evans? I would predict Godwin. I was high on Godwin coming into the year. I'm going to continue to stay on Godwin. I think he's just the receiver to own in Tampa. All right. Uh, so that's run about anything. Any other uh, uh, potential picks that we didn't really get a chance to talk about that you that you kind of wanted to, to touch on? Another Not week? picks we have to talk about, but we do have to remind all of our viewers out there um, that Detroit is on a bye this week. Um, so do not start any of your Detroit Lions. That will get you a zero. Um, also, don't start any Dolphins, but that's not a problem because no one's starting Dolphins anyways. Yeah. So those are the two you have to take out of your spots. But, again, no Kenny Galladay, no Carrion Johnson, and uh, no Matthew Stafford this week. So make sure you take them out of your spots. If you are a Kenny Galladay owner, uh, is there anybody on waivers that you think might be uh, a, a good quick slot in that uh, that we were looking at here? Uh, if Darnold starts, I do like Jamison Crowder. I know he's owned in a lot of places, but he was dropped very heavily after week three and four. Uh, so he's definitely one that I would like to grab if he's available. Uh, otherwise, in terms of receivers, I mean, Atlanta's got to get it coming soon. Uh, Ridley's been struggling a bit. Mohamed Sanu is always a real high uh, floor guy for a lot of people. His ceiling's not very big. But if you want like eight to ten points, if you just need some consistency, Sanu's a good option. Do you feel like uh, if – T.Y. Hilton is going to miss a game again that it might be worth uh, slotting in a Chester Rogers. He did uh, see a touchdown this week. Uh, he did, but I don't I don't feel confident starting him. If I'm going to start anybody from the pass catching, if T.Y. Hilton is off uh, for some reason, it's going to be Eric Ebron or Jack Doyle pending Jack Doyle's health. If Jack Doyle's out, though, fire up your Chester Rogers for sure. Excellent. Well, that's uh, going to pretty much cover it. I know we uh, we skipped over a, a handful of teams here. Uh, l- let's be real, guys. If we didn't really touch on uh, players, y- I mean, that should tell you all you really need to know. I know we, we kind of skipped over Denver a little bit. Uh, if we did, though, you can tell us that we're wrong. Again, at Tecmo Bros FF. We did neglect to mention Cortland Sutton's big week, but I think that was a fluke. So if you want to tell me otherwise, just hit us up again at Tecmo Bros FF. 
Uh, tell us who you think is going to, uh, you know, really have the, the potential best breakout week. Look at the matchups. Um, tell us who so far you're panicking on. We'll tell you what we think you should do with that player. Uh, are you going to panic sell DeAndre Hopkins or Odell Beckham Jr., or are you uh, in for the long haul? Uh, you can also reach us at email. TecmoBrosFF at gmail.com. Uh, what was our poll going to be this week again? Uh, we were going to have a poll. We're going to have just a question as to, you know, who are you panicking on? What what receiver do you have? What top 10 player did you draft that has just not panned out? Excellent. Let us know what you think, and uh, we'll try to touch on uh, those players next week. We're going to analyze their performance and see if they, if that's going to be more of the status quo or if you can expect a, a strong second half. Again, thanks for uh, tuning in to the Tecmo Bros podcast. I've been Sam. And I've been Andy. You guys have a good one.